Thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Thursday, January 11th, and today is National Arkansas Day. It's also National Step in a Puddle and Splash Your Friends Day. It's National. Yeah, man. I'm, I, 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 I think that that's one of my favorite days of the year right there. It's also National Human Trafficking Awareness Day and National Milk Day for all of my lactose intolerant friends. That's right. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and from our very own website as well. Coming up first, that's right, we have the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite, who decided to wear a beanie today. Not sure why, but apparently he didn't do his hair today. That's right, it's none other than the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. You know what, Jason? You know, uh, it, it could be that it's cold. And I just might need a beanie on my head to keep my ears warm. Oh, yeah, baby. It's cold outside. Just saying. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, <sighs> all that got some, uh, warming got, it, got you cold. Yeah, man. What do you guys call it uh, on the right? We call Chinese it Chinese hoax. We call it weather changing. What's going on? Weather What's changes. On? No, they call it climate change because the right acknowledges that this fluctuation doesn't just make everything warm and uh, they are no. spearheading some we don't, amazing we, we do green initiatives here in 2024. Okay. okay. No. Okay. No, no, We're no, going to no, get no. it. We can go down the rabbit hole later on. Getting deep in but, here. Getting yeah, deep in but here. I'd like to take everybody on a trip back in time. The year is 20, 2018. October 5th, to be exact. This was the day the Canadian cannabis giant Tilray brand's stock price peaked, ending a more than 1,000% climb from IPO, giving the rest of corporate cannabis world hope that they could do it too. Little did everyone know that the bubble had officially burst, and Tilray, along with the rest of publicly traded cannabis companies, most on the TSX, and some on NASDAQ, would be entering a five-year bear period of pain never to see such gains again. But last year, Tilray made it 
uh, made a few surprising shifts to their business model that flew under the radar of most casual traders, adding alcohol sales to their repertoire and planting fruits and vegetables uh, on their unused cultivation plots. And guess what? It worked. And Tilray is back, baby. Green Market Report's Adam Jackson reported this morning that while some alcohol companies dabble in pot to pad cannibalization from new generations of attitudes, Tilray did the opposite and has leaned on booze to bounce back from over a billion dollars in losses last year. The result was a record net revenue of $194 million, a 34 rise, a 34% rise in the same period last year, with this uh, beverage alcohol division seeing a 117% rise in revenue. While Jackson says, which Jackson says is particularly noteworthy given the broader challenges in that industry. For the article, Tilray CEO Erwin Simon has been steering Tilray through a series of acquisitions and expansion into diverse segments beyond its core cannabis business, which was questioned heavily by investors last year, such as beer, uh, but not excluding fruits and veggies, is what he said. Our diversified business model of cannabis CPG lifestyle brands, all operating under our strategy innovation, will drive our continued growth and future success as we demonstrated by our record revenue. Beyond cannabis, Tilray is expanding these new segments, leveraging existing distribution channels, exploring others to introduce its products to a broader consumer base. The acquisition of craft beer brands such as Belgian-style beer brands Shock Top, as well as push the uh, push into hemp-based wellness products, are part of that expansion strategy. Despite struggling uh, margins, Tilray touted its dominant position in Canadian cannabis market, which the company is holding a leading market share and showing growth in both adult use and medical cannabis sectors. The international cannabis market also saw. Uh, impressive growth with a 55% increase in net revenue, particularly in Europe, where Tilray has established a strong foothold. Here's what he said on that. We are the market leader in medical cannabis across Europe with leading shares in Germany and Poland and other uh, countries in which we participate. Um, on the back end of that, management will look to leverage the firm's expertise and reputation to enter other emerging European markets where medical cannabis is gaining legal acceptance. Now, um, I took a quick look at the uh, um, at the rise of cannabis in the beginning, and back on uh, October fifth, twenty eighteen, they had reached one hundred forty six dollars and ninety one cents at their peak uh, price um, after IPOing at twenty nine dollars. They're currently at $1.87, a far cry from that 147, uh, 147 mark uh, um, at the peak. But um, this is still very, very, very notable news. My question to everybody is, seeing Tilray dabble in the alcohol business after struggling heavily in cannabis, should other large cannabis entities take note and follow suit? Would you be buying, would you buy a beer from a cannabis company? It seems like a lot of people are. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Love to hear from you guys on this one. I, I don't think the average think? average beer consumer knows whether or not they're a cannabis company or not, nor do they care. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't think they do. Yeah, I don't think they care. I was about to say, I don't think they care. Yeah. Um, they have less hoops to jump through legally. And, um, and you know, if you have the cash on hand, I could see Planet 13 doing something like this. You got the cash on hand to do it, buy a couple of beer companies, and uh, you got 
revenue immediately. I mean, I mean, I I think overall this is probably a smart situation for them. I mean, they got it hammered to them and had to pull out of many different markets throughout throughout the U.S. And now all yeah. of a sudden, I mean, alcohol is it sells and it's not subject to two eighty e. So for for their bottom line and for their shareholders, this is a, this is a smart move. Maybe they should get a license in, in also- Minnesota, Rico. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. here's the big <laughs> backdrop, and, and I think here's the context we need to keep in mind. <clears throat> InBev put mm-hmm. $3.4 billion into, what was it, canopy growth under the vision of Julian Cohn, who uh, was at, I think, InBev first and then uh, canopy growth, and who saw the cannabis beverage space before it existed. Separate from the timing of when that becomes as exciting from a sales perspective as it is from an inflection into CPG, that gentleman saw the future before the future existed. And companies, alcohol, adult beverage companies have put billions of dollars into positioning themselves. So I don't think that Tilray is just trying to be an everyday CPG company with uh, branded uh, dishwashing soap. I think that they understand that there is eventually going to be this really exciting cannabinoid-infused beverage category, and that those companies that have a foot in both highly regulated and adult-use products and who control the means of production through that type of infrastructure are going to be incredibly well-positioned. So I don't think we should globalize this and make this into an, oh, they're you know diversifying such that they're going to be CPG to everybody. They understand cannabinoid beverages are absolutely taking over. They're doing it very slowly. The formulations have been met. But when those things do get worked out, there's going to be some companies that really benefit. I'm sure Jason has a, I, a response to that. Yeah, 100%. Jason loves him some cannabis yeah. beverages. Yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah. Anyone that says that, that, that cannabis beverages are emerging part of the sector or anything of that i just know they're total full of malarkey because the reality of it is that is 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 that the beverage is the smallest sector of the edible side and and it's just not as popular as all the hype people try to hype it up to be and that's just reality get some help Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) well if you're running one of these companies jason and your choice is i can't pay my bills so i'm going to take it out the back door and put it into the trap market or i'm going to invest in another ongoing money-making business okay it's not a difficult decision i mean if i'm their advisor it's like start selling some beer i i I agree with that i i I agree with that my my comment in beverages is strictly for cannabis beverages not for alcoholic beverages alcoholic beverages sell amazingly growing segment in the industry let me tell you something you're always going to be the fastest growing segment when you're the smallest segment they've been the fastest growing segment for almost two years now yeah and it's still not even it still doesn't doesn't even come close it still doesn't even come close (laughs) to getting like a real percentage in the edibles market okay gummies are crushing it okay if you want to be in cannabis start a gummy company without so without naming names right now, I can giving a game away. I can specifically say with one of my clients when we do, we actually do inventory audits for one mm-hmm. of our products that we sell. One of our clients has cannabis lounge, and we're interested in seeing these other cannabis lounges uh, that we have clients with too. Number one seller, 
across the board for cannabis, uh, for their lounge and their their very high volume is drinkables. I, I would believe women that. I, I would believe that. I would believe that. specifically love drinkables and then also the newbies into the cannabis universe that are going to lounges and stuff like that. They want drinkables. I, I, Period. You know what, Rico, I, I would Rico? agree to that too. Yeah. I wouldn't even doubt that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that because you're in the environment of a setting to have a beverage. Okay, so, so that makes total sense yeah. that you're in yep. a consumption lounges, but the reality of it is this, is that very few municipalities offer consumption lounges and that is the perfect type of venue for a cannabis beverage and so until there are more lounges across the country the beverages are going to be the too. smallest smallest share of the marketplace and did we not talk about that yesterday did we not talk about that yesterday or the day before want, the show if you want to lose your ass lounges, in the cannabis business just start a beverage cannabis lounges Everybody's checking out the lounge, uh, uh, the lounge bro, model. Bro, of course, of course they're checking it out, but the lounge model is not that? profitable, bro. The lounge model is not profitable. Yet. yet, and you know why? You know why I'm gonna say? Yeah. You know what I'm gonna say? Or to the to the lounge market? I had a friend before marijuana became legal in New York. I had a friend that had a legal lounge in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, him and his brother were the only ones in Manhattan that actually had like a lounge where you can go smoke and purchase uh, marijuana. So, you know, I everything have you else. Right? Mm -hmm. Talking about you, yeah, you know, talk exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, so he was the, he was the first he was the first one, right? So shout out to Vlad it, and Ramon. And I mean, and, and you have to understand something. This is when New York did not; it was not legal. Only they had they had their own permit they had their own monopoly on it and yep. you would think that this place would be flooded like you would think that more people would know about it but a lot of people will complain about smelling like a ton of smoke coming out of there going to another place to smell like a ton of smoke some of us didn't really give a shit you know what i mean like it's like heaven on earth you know but for a lot of people you'd be surprised that they was just like ah, i kind of rather not you know i'd rather not sit there they would go there to go purchase sure because they knew they can go there and purchase they would probably mingle for five minutes and then they would leave out like no one really felt comfortable sitting there so i would like to see what the market looks like um now that it is legal i think that it could be really 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 good in new york city but you got to think about it outside of uh, california and new york and maybe illinois and the maryland markets like where else are you going to be able to sell the beverages and then not everyone's going to have a lounge so everyone can't have a lounge they're not going to just function all the same i don't think that beverages i think that people who go there are going to want beverages i just don't think that beverages would be smarter than doing an edible. I would before yeah. I would do a beverage. I would do a potato chip that got THC in it. And I think the potato chip would sell more than the beverage. Ooh, potato oh, chips, I like that. Oh man, hey, yeah, I'll tell you what. Idea. I'll tell you what, you guys. I'll like tell you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, you guys. The Emerald Cup is 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 joining us via Instagram. So shout out to them. And they said in the chat, they said yeah, the Emerald Cup. catering to the phantom in quotes new user has killed countless cannabis brands. And I totally agree Facts. with that. Catering to these oh, newbies. Catering to these newbies. Mm -hmm. Ooh, ooh, mm -hmm. ooh. Yep. You own a dispensary. You gotta, you gotta pay your bills. And if people want X product and you don't provide it, they're going someplace else, and you're gonna die. You're right. So you've got to cater to your market. And if you sell ten bottles one month and the next month you sell twenty, you're a hundred percent up. You know, but you still ain't paying your fucking bills. That's okay. Right. There's a reality of this market right now. And I had clients who made cannabis beverages and they were unique. It was kind of fun, but you couldn't put it in there and ship it out and expect those cannabinoids to be stabilized in some sweet goddamn beverage that's carbonated. Mm -hmm. So it's just got a lot of kinks to it. And you know, old farts like me are still not the ones that drive in this market. Yep. And well, I mean, look, 
coming coming from you, you talked about already this morning backdoor trapping and kinks. So oh, we yeah. know absolutely where where your mind is at. <laughs> I, I was down in LA recently and and I went into a lot of dispensaries and a lot of them have a beverage a cooled beverage refrigerator. And I asked questions about what was selling, what wasn't, how much was selling. And Jason, you're right. Beverages are a single digit skew. Mm -hmm. And the unhealthy enthusiasm from those that are beating the drum, like evangelical beverage bozos, has caused a lot of people in the space to be a bit more uh, skeptical around that category. And, and, Look at what happened with vapes. Look at how convenient it was for people on the run. There is a functional beverage category that we have not seen the growth that was anticipated in no small measure because of what Dale touched on, which was canned stable cannabinoids that weren't getting sucked to the side of the can to the and now they needed to do liners and different emulsion technology. Mm-hmm. And we also saw challenges in the formulations. People wanted to like them, but they tasted like bleh. Okay, but we're moving forward in that. So when you have a low sugar functional beverage that has worked out the can liner issue with its nanotechnology emulsion and where it actually tastes good, I would imagine that because it's shelf stable, because it's the kind of thing you can bring to the beach or the river with your friends, because you don't have to worry about the wind kicking up and causing your lighter to not light that we don't need to cater to the can of curious or the new user, that there are many established users that will choose certain environments where they think that this is the most appropriate and, 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 and user-friendly form factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're overtime on this conversation. Yeah. We can go. We can go. Yeah, we're gonna go. Yeah, yeah but it's a great conversation, yeah. so it don't matter. Let me yeah, put some lights on in here. Yeah, we're gonna Exciting roll right into it, man. I'm, I'm glad. Go ahead. I'm glad uh, Torrey uh, found a little bit of a uh, new life in this, and uh, hopefully uh, some people can take notes and uh, follow suit. That's that, that's real cute. But uh, just Justin Benson says in the chat, he's like he's like cannabis has no social value outside of festivals and concerts. And uh, you know he he is kind of Ooh, hot take. Yeah, he he is kind of right. Take. He is kind of right about that. I'm not I'm not mad at that. But on that, we're gonna go to a commercial. And we're gonna be right back. Hey, you, America. Do I look like Sean Connery? (laughs) Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. He substitute in the morning. He's known for smoking the best weed in the world. And is one of the, uh, he is the longest continuously operating retailer in the game and has an infinite hatred for cannabis beverages up next y'all know who it is jason Beck. i mean i don't necessarily hate cannabis beverages i just think they're a stupid thing to invest your money in but hey call it what you want call it what you want but i'll tell you what i'll tell you who's really hating it's what's going on in oklahoma you guys because despite 2023 marijuana enforcement criticism oklahoma won't back down you guys that's right amid a glout 
of both regulated and illicit marijuana production in 2023. Oklahoma regulators cracked down on businesses they believe to be non-compliant. Critics say the state regulators overstepped their bounds, but others argue more oversight is needed for wholesale prices to recover. In January 2023, there were 7,066 active licenses for cannabis grows in the state, according to a spokesperson at the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, OMMA. Now there are 4,880. Through data-driven decisions, support, and feedback from medical cannabis patients, industry leaders, partners across state government, and, and Oklahomans spanning the state, we're able to tackle the illicit operations and non-compliant licenses effectively and efficiently, protecting the patient and public health, OMMA Public Relations Manager Portia Riley told MJ Biz Daily via an email. To identify illicit and non-compliant activity, the regulator oversaw more than 7,000 facility inspections and 4,600-plus operational status visits in 2023. The OMMMA also used uh, data from its online business complaint form, inventory tracking system metric, and NCS analytics, according to Riley. The agency's efforts yielded 1,314 administrative cases in 2023, and authorities seized tons of illicit marijuana and embargoed thousands of pounds of dried marijuana flower and plants, Riley said. A moratorium on cultivation licenses was extended in May until 2026, and in quotes, we've also implemented a rigorous license application review process to prevent bad actors from ever entering our state's medical market, Riley noted. Oklahoma residents must have 75% ownership in licensed cannabis operations, but authorities allege some market players have skirted the rules by employing legal offices to help them bypass the law. In June, the OMMA published results from a study concluding that the state was producing 32 times more marijuana than was needed for its 332,000 registered MMJ patients. In quotes, the large oversupply observed in the regulated system suggests that the licensed operators contributing to oversupply are very likely aiding to an illicit market both at the point of cultivation and the point of retail sale, according to the study. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure that part out, but nonetheless, in March, perhaps signaling they felt uh, felt there was enough cannabis available through the state's existing medical program, Oklahomans rejected a ballot initiative to legalize adult use marijuana in the state. I don't agree with that. I think that's total BS, too, that they're saying that the voters, it was just a bad bill in general, and that's why they rejected it, not because of an oversupply. Most co- consumers don't even have a concept of that. And wholesale uh, marijuana prices have hovered at less than $1,000 per pound this year, according to New York headquartered wholesale platform LeafLink. As of January 3rd, the state reported $6.8 million in live plants in production, and Brunstein noted that the numbers collected by the OMMA didn't include plants that, already, that, that were already tracked by metric or those bound for the illicit market. Well, of course they didn't track that. And some operators uh, say the OMMA's actions extend beyond noncompliant actors, meaning that fully legal law-abiding operators are getting caught in the crossfire. The agency responded to the allegations uh, last spring, saying the narrative that OMMA is shutting down businesses for minor violations is simply untrue and is being used to unnecessarily spark fear among businesses acting within the law, the regulator said in a memo published to its website. 
in November, the OMMA said it had filed 165 petitions to revoke licenses from facilities that have failed to have a proper signage around the perimeter, perimeter of their properties. And according to a former operator who did not want to be identified, many of the companies facing license revocation did in fact have the correct signage but the cost of hiring a legal representative plus increased licensing cost prevented them from having a fair hearing on the matter the OMMA has no plans to slow its inspection efforts uh, this year focusing some of its work on the state's 2800 plus dispensaries a new law allows for regulators to hire secret shoppers who will be tasked with procuring products from dispensaries for lab testing and employees at cannabis companies in the state also will be required to obtain an OMMMA certification and MMJ cultivators are required to have a surety bond or proof of land ownership. Well, 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 sounds like things are heating up out there in good old Oklahoma. What do you guys happen to think about this? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do you think? Oklahoma ain't backing down. Oklahoma, bro. Oklahoma, they've been raiding people like crazy out there, bro. They've been having crazy busts going on. Yeah. This is what happens when the market matures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's not surprising because, you know, our firm does compliance and we have to go respond to, you know, in fra- they're, they're saying, oh, you violated the rules. You're going to have your license suspended, some action taken against it. And here in California, we've been dealing with people overgrowing for years mm-hmm. um, and people sneaking it out the back door, buying a, you know, a, a burner distro and things like that. So Oklahoma is trying to figure out how to do this. And the problem is, is that the people that are in this are just like our founding fathers. Mm-hmm. It's like, you tell me I got to follow some stupid ass rule. The answer is, no, nah, I ain't going to do it. And that's just the, the American way. That is. That is. <laughs> John Hancock was the most notorious smuggler in the po- in the colonies. And here we are today. You tell me to yep. follow a stupid rule. And the answer is, yeah, step around the corner. I got what you want. Yep. And in all fairness, yeah. in all fairness, the cannabis industry wouldn't be where it is today if we didn't have uh, have citizens that were doing that as well, Dale. So I get it. I get it. Shout out to the outlaws. Yes. Hey, I sat in prison thinking about that. It's like you have a stupid rule here. Fine. Yep. I'm not going to honor it, and I went to prison for it. So yep. it's nonsense is what it is. I, I yeah. totally agree I love the fact you. that you said, Jason, I love the fact that you said that uh, it, was a, it was a bad law. It and was. I know plenty of um, cannabis uh, activists and advocates down in Oklahoma for saying, we saw what happened to California. We see what's happening to these other states. Mm-hmm. We are not legalizing yep. under this bullshit law. Exactly. And they're continuing to do what they do. Exactly right. I can't believe that 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 M- M- MJ Biz Daily actually put that out there saying that basically, I mean, to me, it's the same thing as the statement as the as um, as the attorney general in Florida when she says that the voters aren't aren't capable of understanding what this law means. And to, to me, it's just like, are, are you saying that people are that stupid? I mean, obviously, if people are that stupid, they probably shouldn't even be able to, to fill out a for him to vote in the first place i mean they elected trump trump i mean trump was the best thing they ever did for america <laughs> it's the policy you know makers you know getting it, you know guys. you know what you know what no no you know what i'm glad he said that nate nate give me give me give me yeah, give me three go. concise give me three concisive joe biden sentences right now give me three concisive joe biden sentences right now they're all stuck you seem like somebody who voted for him it's not no 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 not 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 fair to compare the stutterer to the Russian mole three. as if three. those are our only no, two. The only choices. person, brother, the only person who got paid from Russia was Joe Biden and his son. That's right. I got three. 
That's right. I got three. Uh, oh, GM yeah. is alive. That's right. Ford is alive. Oh, yeah. And before we go down this <laughs> oh, rabbit hole. Not in dead. <laughs> before we go down this rabbit hole, we are going to roll right on into t- Mr. Attorney, Mr. Dale Schaefer. He's everybody's favorite angry uncle who is the Joe founder Biden. of. Who is Joe the, Biden. Who is the founder Joe. of Armada Law Practice and at one point in time did some time for a cannabis crime. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Oh. Dale Schaefer. I made my share of Coca-Cola pipes back in the day. So here we go. I mean, uh, and honestly, from last story, it's the policymakers who have rectal myopia. We keep telling them, you make these rules too strict, the trap's going to win. They don't care. They make them strict and then complain the trap wins. They're just myopic. Anyway. My story today is a cautionary tale comes out of Alabama, a great bastion for cannabis progress across our nation. And there's a pissing match now between um, a vape manufacturer and a distributor, Safa Goods LLC versus Perfect Wholesale LLC. And this this case comes up um, in a dispute over apparently contract issues between these two companies. And this this also comes up in a in a point in a case where we've filed complaints, allegations have been made. There's an answer made. There's been discovery taking place to see what's your case all about. Now they're asking the court to step in and find that there's no um, dispute of any material fact here, and we want a judgment in our favor. The court took a look at this and said, "Hang on for a second. You guys are, dra- are dragging out pieces of paper called an invoice and saying this is a contract. And the other side is going, no, that's not a contract. This doesn't represent all the terms we have. They sent wrong product to us. We tried to send it back. They wouldn't accept it. The judge said, there's a whole lot of tribal issues of fact here. Take your dolls out of my courtroom and go. Okay. So we have a, um, a federal court saying there's not enough here for me to grant judgment in your favor. You have to go to trial. And if I'm reading to the lines here, this looks like it's a vape manufacturer making hemp products. It's, you know, that's legal in Alabama. You know, Delta 8 might be, but you can't sell weed down there. Mm. So it, as I read this, <clears throat> I thought this is another one of those cautionary tales. If you're going to be in the cannabinoid industry, whether it's hemp, it's cannabis, or, or both of those, you can't be stupid from a business standpoint. Um, I've drafted many a master contract for distributors and manufacturers. It covers ongoing um, sales and merchandise going back and forth between people. And an invoice just represents today I want 100 vape pens delivered wherever uh, at this price and you agree to it. But you have a master contract which outlines all your relationship um, from identification, insurance provisions, who's responsible for moving it from the plant to the wholesale house, all sorts of things go into these master contracts. And if all you've got to go into court with is an invoice, okay, this is about as bad as a handshake, wink and nod, oral contract. It's a liar's contest. And I'll just tell you right now, if you're going to do a business in a multi-billion dollar industry and you're working like this, you got bad lawyers or you're stupid or both, okay? Because I have done this before. And even when you have good quality contracts, you still have pissing matches over terms of contracts and things like that. 
But one of the ways to fix this is to put a prevailing attorney's fees provision in these contracts. So if someone's going to come in and play this stupid kind of a game and drag you into court with this kind of nonsensical evidence, okay, and they lose, they're going to get my bill for multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars for dragging our ass into here, okay? It gives you incentive not to do this kind of stuff. And, and if Alabama is going to move into the real cannabis market, they better do a lot better than this, okay? Because it's just sad to see somebody in supposedly a legal industry, hopefully having attorneys helping them, to have this kind of a, you know, absence of evidence to go into court and support your position. So I'm going to throw it back at you uh, for some discussions about what you need to do to be um, smart from a business standpoint and from a legal standpoint if you're going to be in these businesses. So it's back at you. What do you guys have to say? This story sounds like it has Yarrow's name written all over it. All I was going to say is COD <laughs> to me on the 100K delivery, think more trap, go old school, money on the barrel head. Um, look, I love how our esteemed ESQ over here has pointed out the need for attorney's provisions in contracts to be able to at least recapture the fees related to um, enforcing the terms with uh, unsavorable actors. And I think that's really important. The downside is you still got to go spend that money to get that other money and all of the headaches that that, uh, creates, um, in terms of allocation of time and resources. I, I, I think that it is challenging. I think people still need to remember to do business with people, uh, that they at least think they can trust. Uh, I do think that, uh, getting paid upon delivery is, a uh, a more de-risked model. Um, and hopefully they do have some type of paper trail with their agreements because it's not what people say. It's what's within the four corners of your document. And so if you're doing business with someone and they go yada, 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 and whoop de woo say, great, let's put that on a document and throw a little ink at the bottom to make sure that we have a mutual understanding. The mother of all fuck ups is thinking that you're on the same page with somebody if you're not. And we hear what we want to hear. We say things in ways that we think are clear, but until you migrate that onto a document um, and everybody agrees that the words that are on that page reflect both people's understanding, uh, the chances that these things are going to happen is pretty high. If it ain't in writing, it does not exist. It's a liar's contest then. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, I don't mind trying a liar's contest, but you know, I ain't going to give you any, any chances of success because that, then it just becomes a pier six brawl. Everybody's a liar, and you know you waste a lot of money, and then you don't have attorney's fees to claw back. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess my point is be smart about this. It isn't like it's rocket science to even find template contracts that outline a bunch of terms that are helpful, and you fill in the blanks. It's better than nothing. Uh, but th this kind of stuff is the Lawyers Full Employment Act, I'm going to tell you right now, because you know this is what we charge money for. My time Dale. and my experience to fix your fuck up. Dale, I got a question for you since, since, since you bring that up. How many paralegals has ChatGPT put out of business? 
Not yet. Oh, it's not just paralegals. It's going to be uh, knucklehead junior associates. Uh-huh. I met so many f- mindless motherfuckers practicing law. It's like this thing has is faster than you. It it does better research. It does better writing. You know, go drive Uber, dude, because you ain't you ain't long for this profession. <laughs> you, 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 you gotta make sure you still proofread that shit because you're gonna end up like Michael Cohen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Try to use. Man. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I would never want to go to court with a chat gpt contract um i i you know no matter what that thing can spit out quick like i type my name in and it can't even get the right person and it directs me to a female professor in a market well, i don't be- live in so I, I i'm i'm worried about the people that think that they are going to be able to replace their legal bill with a chat gpt uh Uh-oh. subscription so yeah it's a good place to mock up something but we still need these trained people who have uh, studied the words and the impact and the arrangement of and the context of words and 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 the enforceability of our agreements right i think there was a ruling uh, i believe it was last week that said that um they are going forward and allowing um defendants to use ai for their closing arguments and for their representation and shit like that. However, the two big cases that I saw that were affected, Michael Cohen trying to go against Trump, lost. And then uh, Praz from the Fugees, whose uh, who's lawyer <laughs> actually used Chad GPT in his closing statements. And um, there were lots of mistakes in that. So um, oh, make sure you guys- It's a mess. Check it's a mess. Shit. If you don't take the time, and this is what we deal in our firm, because we do, uh, throw some stuff in, into to AI to ask them to do some research and come back. If you don't read that carefully, okay, go through it and then check the citations because that's what gets you in trouble. There was a, a couple of knuckleheads that went into a federal court back east and they, they threw an AI uh, brief out and, and the clerks look at it and go, you guys have shitty citations. These have all been overruled. What are you doing here? They got caught. That's the problem you have. When you walk into court, I'm an officer of the court. If I'm telling you this case is up to date, it's because my law clerk has gone to Westlaw and and checked it before I walked in the courtroom because they have it on their desk. Mm -hmm. That's where you lose credibility with judges. And I'm saying it's going to help us because uh, I have paralegals and associates in the firm. And, you know, AI is for some of them, they're better than the people you work with, but we still have to double check. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think where we are right now, it's a good start, maybe like a first draft, but y'all got to check that work, man. Y'all going to get in trouble <laughs> yeah. real quick. Mm-hmm. Well, on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Tell them about that sniff test. And whatever you're doing, make sure you hit that like button. We appreciate it. You'll appreciate it. YouTube will appreciate it as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already. And all of the stories that we cover on today's news show, you can read directly on our website at www.hyatnightnews.com. Also, one quick special announcement. This weekend, they are celebrating Anna's over in Long Beach. And so they are having a big celebration over there on Saturday. I think it starts at like 5 o'clock. I'll get the actual confirmation on the time. And uh, I will actually be there as well. So make sure you stop by and say hi and spell it correctly. Mm -hmm. 
I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, Yee! yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yee! Y'all know who it is coming up next. It's the, it's the self-proclaimed most feared black Latin man alive. The political leader, artist, activist, entrepreneur, hater of Sean Puffy Combs and lover of Donald <laughs> Trump. The most... <laughs> I'll just say it again. Antoine Tony Montaga Tucker. Come on, brother. What you Thank got? you very much. That's right, man. I love Donald Trump. Thank you, Rico. I appreciate all the love and the animated introduction. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Somewhere around the world, that is truly what time it is. And I want to say on behalf of me and all my co-hosts, thank you for all being here today. This story is, uh, it's, um, we'll see. Let's get into it. It's a little double-edged sword, but it's about Illinois. It's a place where they seem to can't stop gun violence, but they want to pull you over for marijuana smells. Illinois Supreme Court to determine if cannabis odor is cause for vehicle search. Illinois Supreme Court heard arguments Wednesday as to whether the smell of cannabis alone is grounds for police officers to search a vehicle, marking a test of the state's 2020 recreational marijuana legalization law. The court heard two consolidated cases of individuals where, who were in vehicles that were searched by, uh, after an officer used the smell of cannabis as probable cause. And People v. Uh, Redmond, Defendant Ryan Redmond was pulled over by Illinois state police officers for an unsecured license plate. Seems fishy. And driving three miles per hour over the speed limit. Hmm. Court records show upon smelling cannabis, the officer searched the vehicle and found about one gram of cannabis in the center con uh, console. He later charged Redmond with a misdemeanor of failure to transport cannabis in an odor-proof container, according to court documents. The, uh, the other case, People v. Maloney, Ma, Malana, Ma, yeah, Molina, the People v. Molina involved defendant Vincent Molina, who was a passenger in the vehicle when an Illinois state police officer smelled cannabis and searched a car, finding a small box of rolled joints. According to court records, Molina told the trooper he had a medical marijuana card prior to the search. The records state Molina was searched or the Molina was charged with unlawful possession of cannabis by a passenger in a motor vehicle for not storing the cannabis in an odor-proof container. Lawyers for Molina and Redmond argue the smell of cannabis alone should not be probable cause to search a vehicle given that the substance is no longer illegal in Illinois. But Attorney General Kwame Raoul's 
uh, I don't. I hope I, I hope I butchered it. O uh, office argued the law requires drivers to transport cannabis in an odor-proof container. Thus, the presence of cannabis odor is grounds for a search, even if the passenger is possessing an amount under the legal limit or has a medical marijuana card. It remains illegal to use cannabis in a vehicle and to transport cannabis in a vehicle in a container that is not odor-proof. Uh, November brief filed with Rawls uh, read, Thus, the odor of cannabis, whether in raw or burnt form, continues to provide police with probable uh, cause to search. Mitchell Ness, assistant attorney general, continued to argue before the Supreme Court on Wednesday, cannabis is no longer contraband in every substance, in every, I'm sorry, circumstance. But uh, that doesn't absolve the person from following the laws that are in place, he said. Chief Justice Mary Jane Vias said the central matter of the cases was roadway safety. The concern here is the safety of the public driving down the highway and impaired drivers. Diaz said at the old arguments, we are concerned about drunk drivers and we're concerned about high drivers. Nationwide, the state-level chapter of American Civil Liberties Union and the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers filed a brief in support of Molina and Redmond, writing that allowing the odor of cannabis as cause of search for a vehicle will lead to Biased enforcement against blacks and Latino Illinoisans. There is there is a decades long there are decades long pattern of police in this state using pretext like uh, cannabis odor to dis disproportionately stop and search black and Latino drivers. The brief read: Illinois stop and search policy unfairly subjects black and Latino drivers to at will intrusions of their privacy and regulates them to second class citizenry. The organization argued that the legalization of cannabis means its presence is not indicative of contraband or a crime. Uh, Alexandra Block, director of the ACLU of Illinois' Criminal Legal Systems and Policing Project uh, and co-author author of the brief, told Capital News Illinois a probable cause must be objective, not malleable. Even if the claim of smelling cannabis can be discretionary, honestly, it can be made up sometimes when, when officers are being less than honest because there is no way to challenge it. You can't see a smell or a body-worn camera, Block said. Because such accusations are unchallengeable in court, the results are often uh, are coming out worse for the drivers of color, she said. In People versus Molina, a trial court determined the order of cannabis alone could not be cause for the search since the order of cannabis can be found on medical patients who grow their own marijuana plants or workers at cultivation centers and dispensaries. Uh, the ruling was reversed by appellate court before the case was consolidated with Red Redmond's and brought to the Illinois Supreme Court. Uh, other top courts across the country have faced the same questions, most recently in Minnesota, where the state Supreme Court ruled the odor of, of cannabis and the absence of any other evidence is not enough, that the search would yield evidence of criminally, illegally, drug-related, contraband, or conduct. Last spring, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled the smell of marijuana is enough for police officers to search a vehicle. Most state Supreme Courts, like those in Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Vermont have all determined the scent of cannabis is not enough for police to initiate a stop and search. 
The Maryland General Assembly passed a law last year prohibiting warrantless searches caused by the odor of, of cannabis. Last year, Senator Rachel Ventura, uh, D. Juliet, introduced a bill that would amend the Illinois Vehicle Code and establish the odor of cannabis, raw or burnt alone, shall not con constitute probable cause to search vehicles or persons. While the bill stalled last year, Ventura told Capitol News Illinois in June she'd consider reviving the measure depending on how the court case is played out. The Supreme Court's decision is expected uh, later this year. Everyone tell me what you think. I'm going to say... Uh, to my opinion, if something is legal, it's legal, right? It's legal. Uh, you can go into a store, any gas station, and purchase a pack of cigarettes. Cigarettes are known to kill Americans every single day. It causes lung cancer. It causes oral cancer. It causes skin cancer. Yet, you can readily buy tobacco products as much as you want every single day and smoke it in your car with no issues. Now, I don't, I don't recommend you smoking your car. So, if the police see, sees and smells the smoke of marijuana, then that should be probable cause. But just by having marijuana on my person and then you smell it, I might have that strong Jason Beck strain. I might have that strong Rico strain. I might have a strain on me that's just too strong to be contained. Or I might have smoked marijuana two hours ago or an hour ago or maybe five minutes ago and got in a car as a passenger and has the scent of marijuana on me. So now because of the pure scent of marijuana, you get to violate my constitutional rights. I don't agree with what they're doing. I believe we need law enforcement, but we need good law enforcement. And those who are not trying to just fish and then use this as a reason to pull someone over because they look the part, whether the color of the person is whatever they say it is, because there are white people who are harassed by officers, too, because of marijuana. This is a tool used pretty much on poor people all across the country and people who don't have the political power to be able to be heard in any way. It doesn't. We know that it it definitely, um, you know, hurt and harms black and, and, and Latino people, but there are Asians who are dealing with it, too. So to me personally, um, there needs to be something. Sorry. There needs to be something um, done about this. I, I think personally, if there is no smoke, there is no fire. So the pure scent alone of marijuana shouldn't be enough for a police officer to violate your rights. Tell me what you think in the comments. And please, my co-host, tell me what you think. They're warrantless searches, guys. Yeah, right. This has been a battle we've been fighting from the jump. And it was low-hanging fruit. If a cop smelled weed, you were they had PC to you crawl up your ass, whatever mm -hmm. they wanted to do. And different states now are looking at this different. I think that there's a twist here that, oh, it's got to be in an odorless container, okay? Because if it's not, there's a technical violation, <clears throat> and it gives you a, you know, they still want that to be probable cause to go do a full search. And Dale, I think it's it's... Horrendous, yeah. Dale, would a vacuum seal bag be able to be defined as a smell-proof bag? Well, they're well, not I, defining it, and that's part of the problem. And so odorless yeah. to one person is not odorless to another person, and they haven't set guidelines or standards. And let's be nose. really, really clear about this case. What if, what, what, what if it's branded okay. as a smelly-proof bag? Well, it doesn't matter because it's up to the officer's discretion. Got so it. one officer's smell is another officer's not smell. Let's be really clear about this case, though, for a second. This guy got pulled over because his license plate was wobbling. 
and then he got searched and had and wait and he was three miles over the, wait wait on, three he, miles, that, he was three miles over three the speed which limit. Within, oh. within, within, three miles which is in you're gonna take my lines here you're gonna take my lines mm-hmm. here three miles yep. which is in the margin of error okay in terms of trying to measure vehicle velocity so he gets pulled over for the wobbly license plate the plus or minus three miles and then gets searched and they find a gram i'm just gonna just say it because i talked about being angry last week i do not believe this officer at all okay there is zero credibility and i'm not universalizing that to all of our good brothers and sisters in law enforcement but give me a break three miles over with a wobbly license plate and you found a gram and you let this thing you you have the discretion about what you do and do not write up and so you wrote this up for a misdemeanor for a smell proof container that wasn't smell proof enough and now this thing goes all the way to the Supreme Court. This is the worst use of taxpayers' dollars in a yeah. million years. We have children being kidnapped. We have fentanyl. We have gun violence. We have Reach. real issues mm-hmm. as a country to solve. And this is a, is, is a terrible example of not seeing the forest through the trees. This gentleman who took this the distance and almost to Supreme Court deserves a civilian medal of honor for pushing back against the biggest bureaucratic bullshit that we have covered today. Freddie Flintstone policing, guys. Freddie Flintstone Neanderthal policing. You have yeah. discretion. The judge has discretion. You go, you found a gram. No, I'm throwing the search out. But we need... Um, precedent from these courts and we're just not going to get it we probably going to have to have the feds get in the middle of this which are not going to because it's illegal and uh, in the meantime in california we had this thrown out a long time ago because you know dogs had to be taken away because they smell weed and hit no you got to get them out of service but there are places where still they just want to just fuck with you every chance they get and when they decide they're going to do that dude this is what you end up with a gram after all that so are you saying stop it? Are, are you saying, Dale, that this could possibly uh, be a uh, Judge Clarence Thomas come to the rescue case? <laughs> if well, he's not I, too busy accepting free travel from his billionaire boy, then he might be around. Jason, do, we, do, we have, yeah, do, we, do we have a live, live uh, PCTV feed into uh, to Clarence Thomas's bedroom right now? We, we do, do we have, have we, we do have the live we do have the live feed. Uh, Please, at, pull up the, at, pull at, up the at, feed. Can you pull it up? Pull up the live feed to Clarence Thomas's. Yes, bedroom right now. it's coming up. It's coming. The RV. RV TV. Yep. <laughs> Make sure they respect Mr. Clarence Thomas, please. Put oh, some respect you. on his name. They tell hey, you. Just like you did with Anita Hill, we'll give him as much respect as he did with Anita Hill. Hold I got on, a Yaro. Coke can Yaro, for Yaro, him. Yarrow, here's for you. This is this is for you, Yarrow. This is for you, Yarrow, right here. What do you have to say about Justice Thomas? What you got to say about this, Yarrow? I mean, I don't think I don't think RPG should have got the whole stomach, right? Biggest problem with RPG is she should have retired when she hadn't died so that somebody could replace her. She had Yaro, Yaro, listen, listen, he's mean mugging you. Yaro, listen, he's looking at you right now. He's saying to you, would you say to me? (laughs) Would you say? What I see. He's mean mugging you right now. Mm -hmm. I see a micro brief. He's saying, would you say? I see a micro brief. 
A micro brief. There's a, a micro reason why brief. it was cropped out there. Oh, man. He's Stop getting that sleeve tatted right now, bro. Stop the cap. Stop the cap. He said, did you know I was the Supreme Court right judge? Yeah, we're going to roll. We, we're we're going we're, 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 we're to roll. We, we, we got to keep it rolling. Hold it up and tat it. Yeah. it. Yes, we, we, we got to keep this keep this train rolling. We're going to roll right on into Mr. <laughs> Yarrow Kubrin. He is the man from Sebastopol, if Sebastopol was in Florida. He does cannabis real estate and at one time or another he will do some cannabis real estate as well that's right it is none other than mr yarrow kubrin good morning good morning thursday january 11th good morning hi at nine viewers thanks to those of you who are tuning in in real time and youtube and offering comments and good morning to my esteemed other panelists here it's been lively chopping it up my article today is about California and Newsom. California governor proposes using $100 million in marijuana tax revenue to help close state budget deficit as he commits to strengthen the industry. As the governor of California pledges to continue working to strengthen the state's marijuana market, he's also proposing to help close an overall government budgetary deficit by borrowing $100 million from a cannabis tax fund designated for law enforcement and other public safety initiatives. Governor Gavin Newsom presented his budget plan on Wednesday, previewing a series of steps that he wants to take to address the state's $37.9 billion deficit. That includes taking a $100 million budgetary loan from the state, from the Board of State and Community Correction Cannabis Tax Fund subaccount to support the general fund. A summary of the executive plan notes that the marijuana tax dollars, which would be repaid in a future fiscal year, would come from resources not currently projected to be used for operational or programmatic purposes. The governor's office also used a budget announcement to tout ongoing efforts to improve the state's cannabis industry. Stop that includes reform and simplification of the tax structure, fee relief to support entry into the legal market, investment in grant programs that foster equity, providing resources to cities and counties to expand pathways for local licensing and regulation of cannabis retailers, and assisting local governments to move licensees from provisional licensure to annual licenses. Moving forward. The state will continue focusing on reforms that support and strengthen enforcement against the illegal market and reinforce compliance, accountability, and stability within the legal market, the summary says. Meanwhile, after covering administrative and regulatory costs, the budget estimates that $568 million in marijuana revenue will be earmarked for 2024-2025 to fund education, prevention, and use substance use disorders, environmental remediation, and enforcement related to illicit marijuana grows, and public safety initiatives. The California legislature is looking at ways to build on the state's cannabis market while exploring other drug policy reforms dealing with issues such as psychedelics. On Tuesday, the California Assembly uh, Committee unanimously approved a revised bill to create a state working group uh, regarding cannabis cafes, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to read the rest of the article. I want to jump right into this for a second. I want to share my opinion with you viewers and then hear what my other guests have to say. Gavin has done a tremendous job of alienating both the left and the right. And so if you like him, it's probably because you're maybe bald and like his hair or the gravelly voice. But the truth is, this gentleman has never been at the forefront of anything. When he was the mayor of San Francisco, he got out in support of gay marriage when it was already a fait accompli and there everybody else had already done the work and he rode the headline. 
when he did his blue ribbon thing with regulated cannabis, he got out and people like taking their pictures with Gavin the way they like taking their pictures with Mike Tyson until you recognize the history. And Gavin really hasn't done much in support of the regulated industry, certainly not in respect to increasing access to brick and mortar retail and tax relief. So now they want to take $100 million that's already been earned and now they wanna borrow against it. But here's the thing you gotta understand. This $100 million was designated for law enforcement and other public safety initiatives. On this show, 